Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. This morning, I want to spend a few minutes talking with you about being intertwined. And it's one of those, you know, four or five dollar words, not quite a ten dollar word. It's, you know, somewhere right there in the middle. It's a word we don't use a lot. But I believe that God has something to say to us through it. So let's jump into it, all right? So what I want to do basically is um, just kind of talk with you guys this morning. I want to start off, um, if you'll indulge me, I want to talk to you about my past Friday morning. I can just tell you about some things that happened to me this past Friday morning, because it was a good one, all right? And, um, you know, this week as I was preparing for this message, um, I was asking God what he wanted to say, you know, what he wanted to convey here to the Anchor family. But, you know, in the midst of it, if, you know, if I'm being honest, I got to confess, I was kind of in a place where, uh, you know, my God tank was feeling a little low, okay? Anybody been there before? So, you know, I mean, I have some thoughts at this moment, you know, this week. I've got some thoughts. I've got some ideas rolling around in my head. You know, God, you want to speak on this? God, you want to speak on that? But, you know, I, I, I said, you know what? I'm going to, I, I want to get to a place where I'm just giving God the opportunity to just speak directly to it, to speak to those things. Or if there's something different that he wants to tell me to where he's given me something to speak, in this moment, okay? So I came up here on Friday morning, there wasn't anyone around, and I was determined to just hear, all right? That's what I, you know, I was like, I, no matter what, I'm just gonna hear. Because I mean, you know, sometimes it can just be difficult. You know, there's all kinds of things going on around, and sometimes you just need to get alone and just hear. But, you know, as I settled into my office and, and I began to just process um, all the things that were going on, I, I, I realized, you know, before any of that started, I needed to just be. I just needed to be with God. It was just this strong impression, you know, just outside of before he tried to jump into any of this and get all this. I just, I just needed to be with God. And so I decided I was going to do that. So, you know, I turned on some worship music in my office. I made a quick playlist and um, I tried to focus. And, you know, uh, to be honest, at first it was difficult. You might have ever found yourselves in that place before, you know, but as I said before, I was determined I was going to hear. And, you know, and pretty soon the wall that I felt like I kept hitting gave away to a piece and after a while, I just, I knew, I just knew all of a sudden I was fellowshipping with God. And the playlist that I had created earlier all of a sudden was back at the top. And, and I realized, whoa, wow, some, some time's actually passed. And, uh, you know, because up until that moment, I hadn't really been doing much, you know. I, I, I was just listening. I was joining into the worship that I'd been listening to. I was just, you know, I was doing what his word tells us. You know, he talks about it. I've said it before. You know, we, just doing what the scripture says, right? Entering his gates with thanksgiving, entering his courts with praise. And so that's, you know, I was just, I was just worshiping him. So before anything else, I just, like I said, I just wanted to worship him and set the atmosphere. I sang those songs. I spoke scripture about who he was, how thankful I was for him. And, and what happened was after a while, it just, it opened up this avenue of peace. So I was like, hey, why don't I just keep this going? You know, it's like, I mean, hey, let me not, let me not derail this for the moment. I know what I'm here to do, but man, I, I just want to keep this going. And uh, so I thought, you know, well, I've been worshiping for a little while. Let me, let me read a little bit, you know, maybe I'd grab a book, study, read a book, read my Bible, right? And, and let's just see what comes up, you know, during this time. 
So there was a book in my office from Darlene Check, and uh, for those of you who don't know who she is, um, former worship pastor, she's the one who wrote Shout to the Lord, so many other great worship choruses, just an amazing worship leader. And so I had a book in my office um, that was written by her that I, I hadn't read, and I just randomly grabbed it. And uh, the title of the book was called Worship Changes Everything. Imagine that, worship leader writing about worship. So uh, I grabbed it and I started reading. But because of the atmosphere in the room, I mean, man, just out the gate, the first chapter just grabbed me instantly as the atmosphere in my room was just charged with just like this, this gentle flow. And I read pages about pouring out your heart in worship. And, and honestly, I just, I began to weep because I realized that what had happened was that, you know, it wasn't just something I just haphazardly did and, and was like, oh man, I need to go do this. I need to just run into my office really quick and just spend a few minutes. I had intentionally set aside time to spend with the Lord and he had decided to spend time with me in return. And I realized that's what was happening. And, and just in response to that, just the presence was so good and I just started to weep, you know? So I, I tried to get back into the chapter and, you know, over in that chapter that I was reading, there was a section heading entitled, You Are Invited. And uh, in it, there was a passage that was quoted from the word of God and it read, a voice said, shout. I asked, what should I shout? Shout that the people are like grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in a field. So the point of this particular section in that chapter was to remind us that God is worthy to be worshipped. Amen? He is so worthy, but like our own worthiness has nothing to do with it because like we have nothing, right? We are so unworthy, but in the light of his eternal splendor, though we are nothing, he has invited us to experience him. We're invited. All we have to do is say yes. But the interesting thing is I remember thinking as I read that quoted passage, a voice said, shout. I asked, what should I shout? You know, the funny thing is I honestly didn't even look at the reference to where the, the Bible verse came from. I just remember thinking, that's an odd phrase. What should I shout? You know, the voice said, shout. What should I shout? I was like, it's odd, but I pressed on anyway. The funny thing is there's a song that we sing here at the church called Nothing Else, and that's the song that says, um, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. You know the one I'm talking about? And the first verse of that song says, I'm calling caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. And, and I realized when I was preparing this message in the last night, I realized that's actually what I was doing. You know, sometimes we can sing these songs and, you know, we enjoy them. And we know God's presence. But a lot of times that's one of the reasons why I encourage us to think about the, the words that we're singing. Because I realized I sing that song so much and I love it, but I was actually doing that in that moment. You know, I was reading these, you know, I was reading, you know, uh, this book about worship and I was, it didn't even matter what I was reading. I was just caught up in this moment and I didn't want to leave. You know what I'm saying? And uh, the rest of the chapter just continued to keep my heart warming. And I thought to myself, well, I, you know, I guess the next thing I need to do probably is read my Bible. So usually I have a, a bag with my laptop and my Bible in it and books for work. And I would have just grabbed my Bible out of that bag. But instead, I decided to just go grab a Bible from the bookshelf in my office. And for any of you who've been in my office, you know, I have a, a number of books in there, not even remotely close to as many as Pastor Quentin has in his office. It's like a library in there. But, um, you know, I try, I try. But, uh, but anyway, on the top shelf, uh, I have a number of Bibles just from over the years of owning them. And I went to grab for this one. And just for some reason, instead of grabbing it, it's just almost like my hand went to another Bible. And I pulled it out instead. And honestly, it's one that's actually starting to fall apart. And I literally had to like hold it 
I had to hold it together as I put it on my desk. And I noticed in the back of it, there were just a ton of folded up pieces of paper. And so I flipped open to it and I realized that it was all these old notes and uh, sermon notes and notes from people that I just kept down through the years, you know, like the things we used to do before we did everything on our phone. Yeah. So there was this note that I found and it had my name on it and I pulled it out and I opened it up and I looked at the date and it was a 21-year-old note, 21 years old. And it was from a, a friend of mine and just what the note was, it was just a letter of encouragement. They were just encouraging me. Apparently there was a, a song that I had sung and, and it just really ministered to them and they were just uh, telling me how much they appreciated my heart for God and they were encouraging me um, not to try, you know, um, not to try and, and worry and struggle, but to just be in the presence of God, which is exactly what I was doing in my office at that moment. I was like, I was just being in the presence of God. I was like, oh, that's so awesome. So at the end of the, at the, end of the letter, it says, you know, I really encourage you to read Isaiah chapter 40 and hone in on verses 28 through 31. And, um, you know, there's a lot of scripture that I know, but I'm not always as quick on the references as Pastor Quentin is. And so when I, I saw that, I didn't think anything about what that passage might be. I just thought to myself, okay, well, I, I guess now I know what I'm reading in my Bible, right? So, all right, so I put the note down, and I open up, and I flip to um, Isaiah chapter 40. Now, before I say that, let me say this. When I got into that time of worship, remember I told you I was feeling like my God tank was low and, and all this stuff. So before anything else, I just, I told God, I just, I apologized to him when I got started. I was like, God, I'm, I'm so sorry. I've just let the busyness of things just, again, just get me in a place, Lord, where God, just where I'm feeling like this. And, uh, you know, God, I'm just, I'm sorry. I don't want anything today to stand in between me and you. If there's anything, God, that, uh, that needs to just, Lord, I, I just, you know, I was just laying it out on the line, right? You know, just like, I didn't want anything to interrupt this moment. I, I wanted to just, you know, there just be an open pathway, right? And then I got into all of, you know, all of what was God was speaking. And so the first verse, as I open Isaiah 40, the first words say this, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. So at this moment, all of the tears that I'd been crying in God's presence, they just started flowing all over again <laughs> because I really felt that in that moment, God was speaking to me based off of what I had asked him at the beginning of my time spent with him. You know, but it keeps going, right? So verses three through five are a very well-known passage. It talks about a voice of one crying in the wilderness. And if you've ever read that passage before, you know that uh, prophetically that's speaking about John the Baptist who would come years later and proclaim the name of Jesus. But as I kept reading, verse six just jumped up and hit me completely unaware. A voice said, shout. I asked, what should I shout? Shout that the people are like the grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in a field. So at this point, I'm like ugly crying in my office, right? I, mean, I can't believe what's happening at this moment. Just this, just this incredible moment of meeting, right? I mean, so at this point, needless to say, God's got my attention. So I continue reading all the way down to the end, to those verses that I was asking, 28 to 31, and they conclude the chapter saying this, and many of us are gonna know this passage. It says this, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fail. Say it with me, church. But those who wait on the Lord shall... 
They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and... Amen. God's Word's good. Amen. So long-ish story short, thanks for staying with me here. It was almost two and a half hours that I spent in that time of just waiting, waiting on the Lord in, in the Lord's presence in my office. And, you know, at that point, when I finished, I didn't even really still have a solid direction for where I wanted to go today. But I just, I was in awe of all that it, God had done in just that amount of time. I mean, think about it, guys. What is the statistical likelihood that I would randomly grab a book and just begin reading it and it has this passage of scripture that I find odd that jumps out at me and then I just decide to go not grab this Bible, but I grab this Bible and there's a 21-year-old note on the inside that just encourages me and tells me that I should read Isaiah 40, which Isaiah 40 starts off with a passage of scripture that just answers a prayer that I I had prayed at the beginning and then says the exact same passage that I had read there that I thought was weird and then at the end just gives encouragement and strength like right okay with God there are no coincidences there are no accidents so all of that to say I wound up wrapping that time going God you're so good to put it mildly right so that sounds wonderful Tommy why did you tell us all of that well I'm glad you asked so as I tried to shift out of that time of, um, you know, of just, you know, being with him and just uh, spending time fellowshipping with him to kind of transitioning to get my laptop out and starting to prepare, I still was thinking about, the, you know, the time I had just had with God. And I thought about, though, how often I find myself in that place that drives me to need to spend time with him, you know, because of inconsistency. You know, we should always want to spend time with God, but so many times we can find ourselves just out of it or out of step where we've just found ourselves we're inconsistent and then all of a sudden out of nowhere we're like man I just not just that I want to man I need to spend time with God does anybody know what I'm talking about and I thought about that and I, I find myself often falling into the same trap as the children of Israel and it's like I keep God close but I don't always include him in my daily life and you know after a while then I start to feel a distance and then I wonder why you know, how many of us have been there? You know, it's like in spite of knowing we're his child, we can find ourselves many times feeling like even though it's not true, we can find ourselves like a stranger at the family table. But as the Lord showed me on Friday, even though I'm like grass that's just here today and gone tomorrow, he invites me to the table. He invites you to the table. Though I'm nothing, though we're nothing, he's offered us everything. All we have to say is yes. But in addition to that, after we say yes, what we need to do next is to pull up to the table. Okay? And why do I differentiate those two parts? Because I think we can all agree there's plenty of times where people accept invitations and then they don't show up. Think about that. People accept invitations all the time, but they don't always show up. Just like the children of Israel, God has offered us a seat at the table, but he invites us to come and dine with him, not grab a to-go plate. That's the call. That's the invitation. Come and dine and fellowship with me. Don't grab the goods and say, peace out, I got to run. He reminds us through countless examples in his word that when we remain in consistent fellowship with him, not just near him, but with him, we find the nourishment, we find the strength that we need from day to day. Anything less than that will keep us not only weak in our bodies, but weak in our relationship with him. You see, what happened to me on Friday was this, okay? 
I didn't rush to get a word from the Lord and then jet out as soon as he gave me something, right? You know, I mean, it's Friday. I had things. There was stuff I had been going, but we were still in a place where it's like, okay, God, Sunday's coming. We need to have something to tell people, right? You know, but there's something we need to hear from you, okay? And it could have been very easy to jump in there and just push and push and push and go, God, I need a word, I need a word, I need a word, I need a word, got a word. That's a good word. Sweet peace later. And so many times we can find ourselves in a place where we're, where we're just busy and we're doing that. You know, we are around God. We're grabbing that to-go plate and we're not staying with him. And I was intent and I was determined and I was intentional that I was not going to do that. I chose to spend time with him and I waited in his presence. And even though there was some tension for a while, okay, of not feeling it, right? We know we sang about it this morning. Even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it, he's working. So there were some things that I had to push through because I was the one that was, you know, just needing to come with a low tank and I didn't feel it, but God was there. And as I continued to push, he responded, right? There was something that was happening and I pressed in and I found myself having a great Friday morning with my Savior and my God. And as I thought on that, I realized that was part of what God was wanting to say today as I just kept asking, what do you want to tell the Anchor family this week, God? You know, so I went back again and I read to the end of Isaiah and there it was. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. As I thought about that, God, I just, I just, not that I was patting myself on the back, but I was just thanking him. God, I'm so grateful that as, Lord, I just waited today and intentionally stayed with you. Thank you, God, for showing up and being with me. And then I read that passage again, and there it was. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. God, it's such an amazing truth. Thank you for bringing it back to my heart so preciously today, I thought. But I also couldn't help but think, God, I know this is a passage that so many of us know, so what is another facet or what, what do you want to say today out of it and bring it to us? And so, you know, a little over ago, I preached a message about tarrying. It was actually called to tarry, which ultimately was talking about trusting God as you're waiting on promises to be fulfilled in your life. And so that popped in my head and I thought, honestly, I'm like, okay, God, you know, waiting, we've, we've been here before. So then I started looking a little harder at verse 31, specifically the word wait. So now here's the cool thing. In the original Hebrew, all right, the word wait, our English word wait, there are somewhere in the vicinity of 20 to 25 different words for wait, okay? Like really descriptive. I've heard it said before that there's people that say like, the, you know, the Hebrew language is the language of artists because it's so descriptive and so, you know, if you know it. And so for our word wait, there's 20, almost 25 different words in the Hebrew language. And so in verse 31, the word here that means wait is translated kava. And while, yes, it does mean to expect, to wait, to tarry, its primitive root meaning is to bind together, perhaps by twisting, to collect, and to gather. And my mind was blown. I said, okay, all right. And then it was on, man. I started doing word studies on it. I started digging into it. And I want to encourage everybody this morning. Do you have to be some Hebrew scholar to get truth out of the word of God? No. 
Okay, obviously God has the ability to speak to us without ever doing that. But the great thing is when you go back and you just dig into that sometimes, you find that there's, there's an illumination. When you say, God, I, I want you to speak to me, he does that. And this is one way that he can. He can also do it just by himself. But this was something that he used. And as I was digging and I was studying in that original language, there was that primitive meaning that came and it just began to shift everything in my mind about that scripture verse. Further word studies and digging in the commentaries and all that stuff, I got word nerdy about it. It spoke of kava lending to the idea, because it says, remember the primitive root there is to bind together, to collect, to gather, you know, like perhaps by twisting. So it also lended itself to the idea of braiding, strands of rope. And so I was also reminded as I went into that, the word says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three or even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So let's take it back to chapter 40, verse 31. So wait upon the Lord, those who wait upon the Lord. Kava, upon the Lord. It's not an idea of just being alone and you're helplessly like, you know, some helpless fairy tale character waiting on rescue. That's not what it's speaking there. It's an eager, active expectation, okay? It's being collected, it's being gathered, and it's being intertwined together in expectation with God while you renew your strength because guess what? He's already there. We say many times, I'm waiting on the Lord, I'm waiting on the Lord, and I, you know, and it's so easy for us to just mindlessly think like, you know, you get this image of like sitting alone in a corner, and what are you doing? I'm waiting on God, I'm waiting for him to show up. But the fact of the matter is he's already there. While we wait on the Lord, while we do that, we're gathering, we're collecting, we're literally binding together. You know, the first time that word is used, the Excuse me, that first time the Hebrew word kavah is used there is actually at the beginning of the book in Genesis where it talks about God gathering the waters together. Same word. So when we're waiting, while we're waiting on the Lord, what are we doing? We're twisting, we're coming and in a good way. We are literally being, being bound together with God. We're being gathered. He's collecting us to him while... We renew our strength. So I started taking a look at the word renew. In the biblical usage, the word means to change. So renew, it means to change. That's one of its biblical usage. Or in another way to say it is to exchange. So look at it this way. In essence, we change out our own efforts, our own strength for his. And so when we look at all of this, we can say this way, when we remain intertwined with the Lord, his strength becomes our strength. Amen? Isaiah chapter 40 was written to the Hebrew children. The children of Israel, all throughout the Old Testament, they were constantly walking away from the Lord because they would either ignore what he would say to do or they would forget him entirely. And then time after time, they'd find themselves in the midst of a fight with no strength, and they'd lose. Happened many times. But God would not forget his promises, and he would speak his word, and those who would not forget, those who had determined in their heart to stay gathered and stay expectant on him, what would they find? They would find strength when there seemed to be none at all. 
We see it all throughout the word of God. Let's jump into some of those examples this morning to bring encouragement. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. It says, when the servant of the man of God, this is speaking about Elisha, when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, do not fear, I love this, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. How many of you realize that's some good backup to have, right? And they won that battle. What had happened there was there was a king who literally had sent an entire army to take down Elisha because word had gotten to him of the, of the power that Elisha possessed, not in his own strength, but what God had given him to speak prophetically. And so the king wasn't going to have any of that because he didn't want somebody knowing everything about him. So he literally sent an army to go get him, and they get there the next morning, and they see they're encamped all around, and Elisha's servant is like, oh, man, what are we going to do? And did Elisha panic? Did Elisha go, oh, man, let me go consult with something? No, Elisha tapped in to what he already knew he had, and that was the strength of the Lord Most High because his life was intertwined. As he was waiting, as he was there, as he was gathering together, he already had access to the strength of the Lord. And what he was able to do was he was able to pray and have his servant see into the spiritual realm and recognize literally where the strength of the Lord comes from. He was able to see it. When we don't see it, he's working. When we don't feel it, he's working. We literally are seeing that right in Scripture. Let's try another one. 1 Samuel chapter 14, starting in verse 6. This is Jonathan, uh, King Saul's son. He says, let's go across to the outpost of those pagans. You like that? Jonathan was getting ready, man. He was itching, man. His trigger finger was, was riled. He was riled up, right? He says, let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Check this out. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. What strength did Jonathan know to rely on? Literally not his own. Let's jump down to verse 11. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, come on up here. We'll teach you a lesson. Come on, climb right behind me, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. So they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer killed those who came behind them. They killed some 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over about half an acre. Suddenly, panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, including even the outposts and raiding parties. And just then, an earthquake struck, and everyone was terrified. We just read in Ecclesiastes, it says one person can be overwhelmed, two can fight back to back. That's literally what happened right there. Jonathan said, our God is greater. He can defeat anybody with a bunch or with a little. And he said, let's do this. And he and his armor bearer literally stood back to back and slew everyone that was coming at them. This is like 20, like literally, just in that short amount of time, wiped out 20 guys just standing there, strewn their bodies. I love the way the verbiage of that, strewn their enemies over about a half an acre. So what happened is instead of them going like, let's go get them, what did it do? It struck panic in them. These two guys are wiping us out. Everybody we're sending, they're just knocking them out. And then what happened? God reinforced it by sending an earthquake. 
Yeah. See what happens when you try and touch them. I love it because it's an encouragement to us. This isn't just some storybook. This is encouragement for us to remember today in our lives, being intertwined and recognizing that whenever we are intertwined with something else, we take on, like because we are bound together with God. That's why his strength is our strength, because we're wrapped together with him. And there's so many different examples of that across the Old Testament. Let's, let's, let's take a jump over to the New Testament. Let's try this. Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 22. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. I'm going to stop there for a second. Um, I, I absolutely love what E brought up this morning in worship because like, she didn't know that I was use the scripture verse, okay? Because I said this in first service. Like, this isn't like some prison we're thinking about today. Like, they didn't want Paul and Silas getting out. So they weren't just thrown, like, in, you know, the regular jail. They were literally put in a hole down in the bottom with no light. And then their feet were clamped, okay? Are you getting the picture? Like, this is not just a jolly walk in the park. This is, like, the real deal. This is real bad stuff. So as they were sitting there, let's continue on in verse 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake. There it is again. And the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. Bad day for the jailer. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, ran to the dungeon, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You know, the interesting thing about this passage of scriptures and the first two that we mentioned, you know, as there was trust and as there was receiving of the strength of the Lord, what happened? The battle was being won, right? I mean, they were like chopping it down and taking names, okay? But what we see here is two men who were trusting in the Lord, who were intertwined with the call of God in their lives and walking in his strength. And instead of finding themselves on a field of victory, they found themselves in a hole down in the ground with chains around their legs, having just been severely beaten. And I think to myself, I don't know how easy, I mean, I want to believe that I could, but I, you know, there are times where I wonder, would singing praise and worship have been my response? We all ask ourselves that question. You know, where we find ourselves going, God, I'm doing what you asked me to do, Lord, I'm pressing on, I'm trying to do, and, and God, I'm not seeing myself being victorious. In fact, things are going from bad to worse. Could you imagine how it was for Paul and Silas? Because what had happened there was there was a young girl who was possessed by a demonic uh, spirit, and what it was doing, it was, giving her, it, it was giving her some unnatural abilities, all right? And so there were men who controlled her, and they were able to make money off of the abilities that it gave her. And so when Paul and Silas delivered her from that spirit and set her free in the name of Jesus, they got really upset because all of a sudden they couldn't cash in on the works of the enemy anymore, and they stirred up a riot against Paul and Silas, and basically they were arrested. 
And you just imagine how this happens. They, they go out in the name of the Lord. They're doing things, and they're, they are doing what God has called them to do. And instead of getting better, things are just getting worse. First, a crowd just comes around them and starts just like, you know, just converging on them and harassing them. Then they're arrested. Then they're stripped. Then they're beaten. And if that wasn't enough, then all of a sudden it's like, you know, if that day wasn't bad enough, then all of a sudden they're taken in that weakened position, and they're taken and they're thrown in the jail. And then they decide that that's not enough. They take them and they throw them down into the lower jail. And then they take them and decide that's not enough. Then let's go ahead and put clamps on their feet. We're not going anywhere. What do we do in those moments where we're trusting and we're believing? Just like he said in worship, Paul writing that letter, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And instead of giving in and where, you know, because if we look in the Old Testament, a lot of times whenever the pressure was on, whenever things started getting hard, the children of Israel would forget what God had done and they would begin to grumble and they would begin to complain and all it did was put them further down. But what happened in this moment was Paul and Silas, instead of giving in to that, they began to remember the goodness of their God and they trusted in his strength and they began to sing praises to him because I guarantee you that took strength. And as they began to worship and as they began to trust in their God in the midst of just really, to put it mildly, difficult circumstances, God responded. He shook the entire jail and his strength came and broke chains, literally broke chains off of them, shook the jail down to its foundations, not just Paul and Silas's chains, but everyone in that entire jail. And then what happened was it changed from a physical manifestation to things happening in the spirit to a spiritual revelation because the jailer, the guy over the jail came and said, what do I have to do to be saved? And so where all of these men had been set free from physical bonds, instantly as a result of that, that man was set free from his spiritual bonds. Because that's what happens whenever we walk in the strength of God. He takes us and brings us further than we in our own strength could ever go. And it's an example to the world. And when people see the power and the truth of God, they have to make a choice. Let's do one more. Acts chapter 12 The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. I don't think they wanted him getting away. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. An angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, get dressed, put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision, he didn't realize it was actually happening. You imagine that? Man, God, you're rescuing me. This has to be a dream. Well, we can get there sometimes whenever we're trusting in our own strength. They passed the first, the second guard post, came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. You get that? That's the strength and the power of our God. Got you out of jail without waking anybody, chains falling off, you're walking, go through this guard, they're still asleep, go through that guard, they're still asleep. Oh, here's a heavy iron gate. Boom, nothing for God. Nothing for God. Much for us, nothing for God. So they passed through and started walking down the street and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. 
Guys, these are just a handful of instances in the word of God where men were so intertwined with our God and Savior that even when they didn't have nearly enough strength of their situation in the natural, his strength had become theirs, and it was more than enough. And that's how we stay intertwined, by keeping who he is and what he's done in our hearts and in our minds. For all of us today, here's another three-stranded cord. I was trying to get three together. Here's another three-stranded cord that keeps us intertwined to him. Prayer, the word, and worship. That's a, that's a three-stranded cord that we can keep in our lives that will keep us intertwined with him. When we stay in that conversation before the Lord, that keeps us with him. Because, you know, I can, you know, I can, I can, look, at, I can look at David or I can look at Sarah and, and, I can, and I can say that I know them, right? And I can say that I have a relationship with them. But if I never talk to Sarah or David, if I never find out things about them, if I never ask them, hey, is there something I can pray with you about? Hey, what's going on? Let, let's, man, let's talk together. What's going on in your life? Oh, man, this, that, and the other. What's going on in yours? If we don't have moments like that, is there really a relationship? That's what prayer is. It's so much more than just asking God for things. It's literal the, the building block of our relationship with God. It's conversing, it's speaking with him. The word, that's how we learn more about him. And then worship, that's where we respond to the conversations that we've had with him and the things that we've learned about him. It all ties together to be a three corded strand that cannot be broken in our lives if we keep those things before us. Let me say it this way, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, it says, for this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right as long as I'm in this tent to stir you up by reminding you. And that's what I wanted to do today as I just felt with what was going on, what the Lord did on Friday, it was just, Tommy, you're, let me remind you, it can be like this. It doesn't have to be weeks and weeks. You don't have to get to the point where your tank's so low before you have to come. And it's the same way for all of us in here. I wanna stir us up today by way of reminder, even though these are things that we probably know and are established in this truth. Sometimes we need reminding. I needed reminding. I was just so grateful that God would show up and I was like, God, Man, just forgive me for having to get to this point where I just, you know, I shouldn't need a reminder. Does anybody know what I'm saying? But we do. We get to that point. It's so easy sometimes. And that's the, the idea of a three-stranded cord of twisting, of gathering together. Because let me tell you something. When something is twisted and it's, and it's intertwined together, it's a whole lot harder to separate that. You know, I'm just out one strand on my own. You know, if I'm just around the things of God as a one-strand cord rather than tying myself to it, it's a lot easier for me to just kind of wrap around and go, oh, that's really good. And then it's really easy for just pull myself away from that, sometimes not without even realizing it. But it is so much harder when I keep myself intertwined with God to find myself separated from him. And I keep myself, we keep ourselves doing that by remembering the things that he's done, by keeping what he has done before us, not just the things that he's done, but who he is towards us. Because when we keep those things before us, we remember them and we don't forget them. Let me ask you, can you remember times in your walk with God where you intentionally remained in a place to just be with him? And he was faithful to show up and encourage you, strengthen you, or give you what you needed. If you have, keep that in mind. Remember that. 
He's the same God today that he was then. And if you don't have those times in your mind, remember that. That's how God works. He works through active relationship. I just said it a moment ago. I'll look at my own wife right here. If, if, I, if, if I married my wife, you've heard this example before, but it's still true. If I'm married to my wife and we have a relationship, you know, we're, we're man and wife, and, and I, um, I, I come to her once a week, and that's the only time I talk to her. That is not an active relationship. Right, right, right. Okay, so I wanted to make sure you were good with that. Okay, all right. Sometimes she probably wishes I wouldn't talk to her as much, but yeah. But that's what God wants from us. He functions through an active relationship. This one-off thing where we feel that we can just come and do this. It, you know, it, it, ultimately what it does is it keeps us in a weak relationship with God, and that's not what he wants. He's called us to come to the table, to come and to dine with him, to fellowship with him. You know, our lives in Christ, they're strengthened and they're enriched when we stop living each day around him and intertwine our lives to live each day with him. So in closing, let me say this. So when I talked about what happened to me on Friday, that time I spent with God, I, um, I said that I spent time worshiping him and I also, I, you know, I spoke some scripture and I was just bragging on who he was, right? I was just thanking him for who he was to me. One of the things that I said was that, God, you pulled me out of the miry clay and you've set my feet on the rock. How many of you guys have ever said that before about God? You've either said it or you've heard it. That's straight out of the word of God. You know, you've, you've pulled me out of the miry clay and you've set my feet upon the rock. And as I said it, I thought a little more about that. You know, the word also says that God is our sure foundation. Amen? So when we hear, you've set my feet upon the rock, it's not just, God, you pulled me out of some sludge and you put me on some stone. God, you lifted me up and you put me on you. You lifted me up, and you put me on you. And I got this image of just a young child at that moment while I was, when I said it, when I said it to myself, I got this image of a young child just being held up in the air by his father, and then almost like he was just reclining, and then as he held him in the air and there was joy, he just set him down on his chest. And the peace and the comfort that can come to a child when their father does that to them. That's what our God offers to us. And so as I was thinking about that, I was reminded that about a week ago, we had a night of worship. And as we closed out the night, the song on our hearts was Waiting Here For You. For those that came, you remember, that's the last song of the night that we did, Waiting Here For You. And the main line in that song says, Waiting Here For You, with our hands lifted high in praise. And Candace and I were talking about it afterwards, and she said that she had felt in her heart one of the things that she had felt was that, you know, maybe there were people in the room that had their hands lifted high because they were waiting on God to give them something. And, you know, that's not necessarily always a bad thing because obviously there are times God says, you know, look, he knows our needs, and there are times where we come before him and it's like, God, I am, I am a person who is in need. But Beyond that, in that moment, to say maybe to shift our thinking to rather than having our hands lifted high waiting here for him, to have something put in them, rather we have our hands lifted high in praise like that of a child, just wanting their father to come and pick them up. And as we wait, he gathers us, he collects us, he wraps us in his arms, intertwining him with us, and we're surrounded by his strength. The word of God says to come to him with faith like a child. 
Imagine the closeness to Christ we can experience and the strength that we gain when we diligently draw close to him each day with arms stretched out just like a child, just because we simply want to be with him. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. God, we take a breath. We just take a deep breath here in your presence. And God, we focus on that image for the next moment of faith like a child. God, I'm so grateful to you that you never turn us away. Lord, with our arms stretched wide to you, not because of what you can give us, but just because we recognize, just like a child that has complete and utter dependence on their father with their arms in the air going, I know that when you pick me up, everything is going to be okay. And Lord, I'm so grateful to you, Lord, that as your word says, Lord, as we wait on you, Lord, as we wait on you patiently, eagerly expecting, Lord, as we gather together, Lord, as we intertwine with you, Lord, as we wait, Lord, we renew our strength. We take our strength and we exchange it for yours. And so God, today, Lord, what I pray over each and every one of us in this room is, Lord, that that is what we would do. Lord, that we would not get into a place, Lord, where we try to just be around you, but Lord, that we continually, intentionally say, God, no matter what it takes, God, I'm going to keep myself intertwined with you. I don't want to just easily float away, God. I want it to be difficult, Lord. I want it to be difficult to get away, God. I want to stay with you and not let the cares and the things of this world distract me. But God, I want to stay with you because I recognize that when I do that, Lord, your strength becomes my strength and I can do all things through you. So if there's anyone in this room today that is saying, man, I just need to trade my strength. I need to trade my strength for yours, Lord. God, I've, I've admittedly, Lord, I've, I've been in a place where I am not intertwined with you, God. I've, I'm with you, I come, I'm around, but Lord, I have just been struggling to stay intertwined with you. God, may our hearts today say, Lord, let us change that. Let us change that, God. Let us keep who you are. Let us remember, Lord, the things, God, that you've done. Not just to say, Lord, I want the things, but Lord, that we remember you are faithful, you are powerful, and God, everything that you have said, Lord, you will do. And so when we remember that, God, how can we ever, Lord, how could we ever want to get away from you? And so, Lord, let us reaffirm in our hearts today, God, that we stay, Lord. We stay, Lord, as your children, those, God, who want to be gathered with you, those who want to be close to you. And, Lord, those who want to walk in your strength. Lord, if there's anyone here today that's feeling weak, God, I pray that you would strengthen them. God, I pray that you would encourage them. If there's anyone here, Lord, who's feeling away, God, I pray that you would gently remind them that it's your desire to gather. It's your desire, Lord, to braid them in with you, Lord, literally, so that, God, that three-stranded cord cannot be broken. We thank you, God, for your word and what it shows us. It's living. It's alive. Lord, it is life to us because it's you. And we thank you for it, Jesus. We are so grateful for you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. And let us walk in it today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.